You're listening to Radio Free Satan. Enjoy the show. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. What you heard right there, that was the Salt Lake Devils. We got together today to talk about our Valpurgis Noct ritual. Very excited for this thing. A bunch of really fantastic uh, individuals. Salt Lake City, Utah. I never really would have thought had any more Satanists than me. I was convinced that there had to be, you know, a a bunch out there, but I I never thought I would ever meet them, and now I'm... uh, meeting, uh, you know, this handful of really uh, outstanding individuals, uh, it's a good thing. It's a good feeling. Uh, hanging out with people that you know at their core see the world uh, with the same eyes. Uh, even though there's obviously variations there. So we got together and we were talking about process and formalities, having a little homebrew, waxing intellectually about ritual, and uh, sharing stories. It was a really good time. Unfortunately, it doesn't happen enough, but uh, you know what can you do? Oh yeah, by the way, welcome to Nine Cents. (laughs) Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world. I am your host, Adam Campbell, and it is great to have you. It is April 8th, and I've got a great show for you this week. Uh, This week, I am announcing, and I'm going to do it right now, the winners of the Gyps Fulvis Invocations, out April 13th, contest winners! Now, for the past couple weeks, I have been shouting out to everyone who wants a free copy, send me an email with your favorite Gyps Fulvis song. If you're smart, and you're a fan of Gyps Fulvis, well, then you just would have uh, sent me your favorite song. Uh, if you weren't, or just weren't exposed to him before, but you wanted to, get a free album by looking online, finding a song, and sending it to me. You can cheat. I don't care. <laughs> it's a free album. And it's going to expose you to an amazing artist. So why not? Well, anyway, for all of you that have entered, and uh, there were a bunch of you, thank you so much. I truly appreciate it. I do have two random winners. Again, chosen at random. Uh, A.M. are the initials, and J.F. I will be sending you emails requesting your uh, specific addresses that you would like me to send your signed copy of the Gyps Fulvus Invocations CD. Brand new! For free! To you. Very excited. Very exciting stuff. You know, outside of that, this weekend was the first weekend I actually mowed my lawn. Um, pretty excited about that, actually. This is the best part of the year. We get Valpurgis knocked. We get spring. We get uh, the sun coming down on us. And I get to spend my zen time out in the yard, reconnecting. I mean, there's nothing like going hiking every weekend and then mowing your lawn and getting out there and working on your flower beds and trimming your grapevine and flourishing your garden uh we've got to tear up the the lawn as it is with the garden and then uh get some fertilizer blend that in with the existing soil that has three years of garden gardening so hopefully it'll be a uh, pretty damn potent by now for for a good garden last year 
was horrible for our garden, but the year before was great. So I don't know if it goes through cycles or what. I'm kind of new to this whole gardening thing. Um, however, uh, hopefully this year is going to be better. I'm I'm really excited. We have like six beds that sort of are shaped in this like quarter sun, quarter circle shape around uh, a little mini pond that we have back there, this man-made little pond of ours. So we have snails and stuff growing in there, and so that's always a concern. But, I mean, quite frankly, you know, we're not relying on the garden to live. <laughs> we're relying on it to provide us with fresh vegetables when it can and fruits. So it's sort of like a fun thing for us, you know. I mean, you have a lot of tomatoes one year. You have a lot of broccoli the next year, uh, a lot of beans. So, you know, string beans, it, It's all, you never really know what's going to happen, but it's always great, and whatever you can scavenge because we don't like to use sprays or anything like that we like to really keep it natural so you know sometimes you have to share with some of the bugs in the area but hey you know what i don't mind that's part of the part of the deal my wife is um uh, exploring the idea of planting flowers that are insect repellent flowers so maybe we'll see if that helps who knows we'll we'll do that sort of you know every third plant or something just just see what takes and this is, you know, part another one of the reasons why this season is so fantastic. You get to experiment. Uh, you get you just sort of put your big toe in the water and find out how cool or warm it is, and then you know adjust fire from there. It's fantastic. Uh, and there's something to say about a, a cool breeze shifting through your entire house, the warm sun beating down on you, and just you know having a. a, a for me personally, a nice home brew after you've just worked on the yard. It is, uh, <laughs> it's the cap. It is the cherry on the yard work Sunday for me. Uh, and I got to do it yesterday. I was very excited. Uh, okay, so anyway, <laughs> I do have a great show for you this week. All right, so let's see. In The Devil's Advocate, Last week I shined a little bit on um, atheism and Satanism, and I got a couple responses, and maybe I wasn't very clear, so I'm going to shine the light a little bit longer. I'm going to do a little segment called Satanism versus Atheism. Let's see where that lands. In Infernal Informant, Teen Girl Exorcism Squad, three Arizona girls claim to cast out a demon's... <laughs> this this was sent in um, by a, a friend of the show. Uh, thank you so much for sending it to me. I'm very. <laughs> I saw this a while ago, and I wasn't sure I wanted to talk about it. But you know what? My audience wants to hear it. I want to talk about it. And Libya, U.S. probe oil company deals in creature feature. I have. As alluded at the top of the show, Gyps Fulvis. We're going to be talking about his album Invocations. We're going to be talking a little bit about uh, just the world and people at large. Have a little bit of fun. We're going to listen to some music from that album too. So stick around. It's going to be a good one. And that's going to do it for another show. So sit back, hold tight, raise your glass to yet another nine cents. Why bother? I get done great 
let's cut the bullshit and get real. Why this purity you feel about evil? For Christ's sake, why? It don't lie to me. I guess, Father. You gotta feel that old nick in your soul. And it becomes clear. Like it did for me. The first time. That's when I realized my one true calling in life. And what's that? Shit, man. <laughs> I'm a born devil's advocate. Welcome to the Devil's Advocate. I'm a Satanist. I'm a member of the Church of Satan. But I do not speak for the Church of Satan. That is all. Satanism versus atheism. <laughs> Alright, so last week I had touched on the idea that I cannot consider myself an atheist. That I only consider myself a Satanist. And that, yes, some ideas are parallel. Um, but I wanted to go into a little bit more depth here. And I'm going to do this specifically, I'm sorry, with uh, the AmericanAtheists.org website and sort of their organizational notes, their, their nine satanic statements, as it were, uh, their Ten Commandments, if you will. Uh, and I'm going to sort of compare and contrast that uh, as I read it with what Satanism is structured as according to the Satanic Bible and Anton LaVey. And I'm doing this because I want to clarify that I don't have a problem with atheism. The idea of atheism. I mean, as the dictionary defines atheism, the theory or belief that God does not exist. Fuck yeah, hail Satan. Yes, that is absolutely true. There is no God. Uh, however, uh, Satan is the best friend the church has ever had, as he has kept it in business all these years. That is the ninth satanic statement. So no, there is no spiritual creature that is God, and thus there is no spiritual creature that is Satan. But it is the idea that has life. That is, uh, that is the issue. That is what is at issue. Because if there is no... And this is maybe just a deficiency within me. But if there is no idea of God, if you reject that altogether, and of course, I don't think that there is a God, but if there is no idea of a God, how can there be an idea of a Satan? And no, it is not tied into a Christian faith or any faith for that matter, but is that... That, that abstract notion, that metaphor, that if you are continually rejecting, you cannot embrace the opposite end of that spectrum. And it's tough because I, I need to be very clear here. I do not believe in a spiritual anything. But I do believe in the metaphor of the <laughs> of the the opposite of that uh, that goodness that everyone else talks of, that Satan, I do see, and I evoke in ritual, and I carry as a badge with me as I walk through the world. I associate myself with it. Okay, so I, I'm going off here a little bit. Um, American atheists, what do they believe? Okay, so they have a few tenets here. Uh, one, to stimulate and promote freedom of thought, 
an inquiry concerning religious beliefs, creeds, dogmas, tenets, rituals, and practices. So, presumably, the idea here is the more you talk about it, the more you realize how absurd it is, thus promoting the atheist agenda. Uh, number two, and I'm, I'm fine with that. I don't care. Uh, I think education is I- incredibly important, and if uh, more people were educated, they would be a lot more atheists in the world. But we have to understand that because you are aware that there is no God does not equate being a Satanist. <laughs> All right, It is the alien elite that are Satanists. It, it is those with a particular aesthetic bent that are atheists, that wear that badge of Satan proudly. That is a Satanist. And there is a dramatic difference between that and just not believing in God. And if you can't see that, I question whether you're a Satanist. Genuinely. And you should too. Okay, so what else? To collect and disseminate information, data, and literature on all religions and promote a more thorough understanding of them, their origins, and their histories. Uh, one, I'm sure, is just for the, the humanism element, uh, and, and the other, realistically, is probably also to educate and inform and let people know that it's all made up. Uh, third tenet here, to advocate, labor for, and promote in all lawful ways the complete and absolute separation of church and state. And uh, I'm I'm all for that as well, um, absolutely. And according to Satanism, yeah, yeah, there should be a separation. Okay, to advocate, labor for, and promote in all lawful ways the establishment and maintenance of a thoroughly secular system of education available to all. That makes sense. What I don't really concern myself with is the idea, I mean, if people want to have a religious institution instruct them and they want to be ignorant, well, I don't care. I mean, fine. Do your thing. Just don't do it on the public's dime. So, you know, the way I would see that tenant is publicly funded must all be secular-based because that's how our country was founded. Of course, uh, Christians would uh, go to all lengths to try to convince you otherwise. All right, what else? To encourage the development and public acceptance of a humane, ethical system, stressing the mutual sympathy, understanding, and interdependence of all people and the corresponding responsibility of each individual in relation to society. I have a problem with that. Because I do believe in separating ignorant and worthless members of society with productive and educated persons of society. Stratification. I absolutely think we should be segregating and weeding out the weak as proven by not only their opinions, because everyone has ridiculous opinions at times, but more to it, their contribution to society as a whole. If you do not contribute anything, you should not be a part of said society. It's that simple. If you continually and with evidence in your history work against said society, uh, criminals, for example, you should not be in said society. So I think we should absolutely segregate mankind with those working toward a productive future and those working against it. And honestly, doing nothing and just skating by, that's working against it. Yeah, that's how I see it. All right, what else? 
to develop and propagate a social philosophy in which humankind is central and must itself be the source of strength, progress, and ideals for the well-being and happiness of humanity. That, to me, I have a hard time with. Um, I mean, you're talking about one social contract that everyone agrees with, one philosophy that everyone is centrally understanding and working in harmony with. That's not human nature. I mean, that's that's reaching out into the further regions of absurdity. That's as science fiction as aliens visiting us in Roswell. And I know some people actually believe that is truth. Okay, whatever. Okay, My point is that that is out there, and it is not reality. All human beings will never work within the same social philosophy. If they didn't, if they were not capable of doing that in Constantine's time, if they were not capable of doing that in Egypt's time, there is never going to be a time when everyone is happy and everyone works. That's just not realistic world. And I thought this was atheism. I thought they were supposed to be uh, the, the scientifically minded realists. Apparently not. Not the American atheists, Inc. Uh, maybe there's other atheist groups out there that I'm not aware of that are not so Christian-like in their ideas. Uh, tell me, because is that such a far-fetched belief away from Christianity that everyone works under the same social philosophy where mankind itself is central and must be its own source of strength and progress? I mean, that's the sense of community that Christianity breeds. Okay, now I understand very much that I'm 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 drawing parallels between atheism and Christianity uh, because <laughs> I I just don't agree with that one tenet. And the reality is, I don't agree with a lot of these tenets because Satanism doesn't agree with a lot. Satanism agrees with the the, the definition of atheism, but you you can't just take the definition of something, the very basic the theory or belief that God does not exist. And every group that tacks on atheist to their name say, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% behind that person and still claim that you're a Satanist because that's not reality. There are specific tenets and beliefs that Satanists hold dear to their heart and they are not in, they do not run parallel to some of these groups. What else? To promote the study of the arts and scientists and of all problems affecting the maintenance of perpetuation and enrichment of human and other life. And I would be absolutely with that statement until it says and other, because there is a hierarchy of life uh, that we all have to understand. It's nature. And humans at times are at the top and at times are at the bottom. It depends on the situation, depends here. But we can't just go into this blindly and make this blanket statement that we're going to study the uh, arts and scientists of all problems affecting the maintenance, perpetuation, and enrichment of human and other life. Of all life is going to be enriched and continuing in our understanding of the world. Well, that's not the reality of it, okay? Because animals have no concept of, of any religion, of any belief structure at all. What about plants? They're alive, right? So, so does it, does your belief reach out to plants too? And you see that I'm going to absurd lengths here, but the fact that you add in and other life makes me do that. You, you're the ones calling out to it. 
Okay, so the last tenet here. To engage in such social, educational, legal, and cultural activity as will be useful and beneficial to the members of American atheists and to society as a whole. I like how they do that, because that's selection. That is a little bit of, uh, how do we say, uh, stratification. <laughs> they want it to benefit themselves first, and then everyone else. Okay, so I totally get that. I totally accept that. Uh, what I kind of pisses me off is that in this last part, they're saying that they should be first and everyone else second, but then every other part that they were talking about previously... Um, is really just for the betterment of mankind. These grandiose theories, this idea that everyone can work under the same happiness, understanding philosophy, uh, everyone can be beneficial if they just understood my way of thinking, that's not human being. It's not! We are all vastly different, even in our own understanding <laughs> I, I know grown men that have read the Satanic Bible and don't understand it. I know Christians who have read the Bible and don't understand it. You, just, because you, just because you've read it or you identify yourself as it doesn't mean that you're going to have any uh, true concept of that philosophy. So how can we expect... All of mankind to be working in unison. That, that's seriously some science fiction there. Hey, I'm a fan of science fiction. But I'm not a fan of lies. Alright? Believable science fiction. Like Ari Box Valhalla. Pick it up. <laughs> I mean, there, there, there's levels here, people. Okay? Yeah. Identify yourself as an atheist. Fine. Do your thing. I don't care. What, how, what, however you want to go through life. But because I'm a Satanist does not mean I identify myself as an atheist, and certainly does not mean that I'm okay with someone making a blanket statement that, yes, Satanists are atheists. Because no, that's not the fact. There are as many atheist groups out there as there are Christian groups. A little hyperbole there, maybe half the amount. But the reality is that each of them has their own flavor and their own goals, and they all work under the idea that mankind somehow has the ability to live in unison if they would all just accept this idea that the theory or belief that God does not exist is true. And that is not true. The end. Let's move to the infernal fulfillment. What do we have here? Let's start with uh, Libya U.S. probe oil company deals. New government aims to shed light on petroleum industry's interaction with Gaddafi regime. This is the Wall Street Journal Business, posted April 8th, 2012, by Benoit Falcon. Yeah, whatever. Uh, Smith, Smith, and Smith. <laughs> Authorities in the U.S. and Libya are investigating oil giants such as Italy's Eni, Spa, and France's Total S.A. over the past relations with the fallen Libyan regime, potentially casting a cloud on the company's ambitions to expand their foothold in the country with the largest oil reserves in Africa. 
Last year, a civil war that toppled Libyan leader Colonel Colonel Muammar Gaddafi's nearly shut down. I added a plural there. The country's crude production, stressing global oil markets. But as oil company operations return to normal, the probes may complicate the oil company's business in the country. Libyan General Prosecutor's Office is investigating Libyan and foreign operators in Libya for possible financial irregularities. Its department head, Abdelmajid Saad, said in an interview. I think I did that pretty good. In a March letter reviewed by the Wall Street Journal, the prosecutor's office formally asked the head of audit at Libya National Oil Company to supply oil company documents. The letter mentions oil transactions between NOC and International Traders Vital Group and Glencore International, PLC, as examples of documents it is seeking. Though the Libyan probe focuses mostly on the Gaddafi era, the letter indicates that the request involves the traitors includes the period of the country's civil war through the present. The companies investigated also include any, the biggest foreign oil player in Libya, and Total, Mr. Saad said. Neither the letter nor the deputy prosecutor mentioned any specific allegations involving the companies they named. NOC's marketing manager Ahmed Shaki confirmed that NOC and its dealings with foreign companies in general are under investigation for the general attorney. NOC submitted all documents. The prosecutor's office is doing the right thing, said Mr. Shaki, who wasn't in charge of the company under the late Mr. Gaddafi. He said he did everything according to the law, but declined to comment on the Gaddafi era. NOC Chairman Nouri Barunin declined to comment. News the Libyan probe continues after the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission sent formal requests to any in total related to the company's Libyan businesses. U.S. oil giant Marathon Oil Corp. also said its annual SEC filing in February that it was asked to hand over documents about its Libyan operations. And he said in its recent annual filing with the SEC that the U.S. investigations is in connection with the certain illicit payments to Libyan officials, possibly violating the U.S. Foreign Corruption Practice Act. The Italian company said the request covered the period of 2008 when any and others negotiated contracts in Libya to early 2011 when the civil war erupted. Total also recently disclosed a request from the SEC in a filing but didn't elaborate except to say other companies also have been targeted. <laughs> right, right. We're not the only ones. Uh, the SEC, any Glencore, and Marathon all declined to comment. Total and Vinyl were unavailable for comment. The new Libya regime, which faces its first elections in June, is under pressure to shed light on oil deals under Mr. Gaddafi, whose overthrow was driven partly by discontent over alleged corruption. <laughs> Do we have to throw an alleged there? This was a dictator who slaughtered his own people and were applying this U.S. idea of innocent until proven guilty. No, 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 no. No alleged corruption involved. Gaddafi was corrupt. And everyone that dealt with him, including the U.S., is corrupt. We, we have to understand this. We have to stop pretending that... There's this this fair and balanced world that we all live in. And it's only a few countries or a few groups or a few people or a few ideals that are bad. Guess what? Our world is populated by human beings. And all human beings are evil. Yeah. 
I said it. It's out there. The sooner you come to terms with it, the better. We all act within our own individual capacity for the betterment of ourselves. And the oil, <laughs> the oil industry is no fucking different. We, we cannot look at someone like Libya, who is a huge producer of oil, who's the only reason we even concerned ourselves in sending drones was because of the oil they had there which was actually handed brilliantly by President Obama. So that's one thing I can tip my hat to him for. But the reality is, is that Gaddafi was corrupt as shit against his own people, the people that originally cheered him into power when he overthrew the last government that he had. It's, it's like this horrible cycle of ignorance that no one ever seems to want to step outside of. And the fact that our news organizations, the Wall Street Journal, is applying American ideals... Of innocent and proven guilty to someone like Gaddafi? Seriously? I, l listen, if you are captured in a foreign conflict and sent to Guantanamo Bay, you do not get the same rights as an American citizen. Period. Carte blanche. Point blank. And you know what? I'm not the only one saying that. No. No, I'm not. President Bush said that. And you know what? Some of you lawyers are going to be pissed. But President Obama said it too. What's more infuriating is that they both said that not even American citizens get that right. That's right, if you're accused or suspected of terrorist activities. And yet one of the biggest-ass terrorists of all, Gaddafi, uh, well, let's say uh, alleged corruption. <sighs> it's infuriating. Let's continue. Mr. Saad of the General Prosecutor's Office said that if wrongdoing is established, if, uh, the fine will at least double the amount of money lost to the Libyan government. Also, it will affect securing any future contract, he said. The pressure might complicate any future negotiation for international oil companies in Libya, one of the few countries still open to foreign investment at the time when others are tightening the noose on Westerners or are off-limits due to sanctions. Any, which normally gets about 14% of its total production from Libya, uh, <clears throat> wants to double that amount and invest between $30 billion and $35 billion in the coming decade. Wow. What if, and this is a crazy idea, what if we stopped our dependence on oil? What if instead we used water uh, what if instead we used natural gas? What if instead we used wind? What if we used anything but oil to generate our energy? Then maybe we could stop depending on third world countries. Maybe we could stop kowtowing to third world countries. To uh, shithole dictators. Maybe we could finally wipe our hands clean of the bullshit and just focus on ourselves for once. Why do, are we so focused on helping other countries because of their production in a substance that is finite? I, this doesn't make any sense to me at all. And it shouldn't to you either. Look, I'm not against oil. I don't care it, it doesn't matter to me but when you have a resource that is going out of existence why don't you focus and is so 
wrapped up in corruption, why don't you focus on something that isn't going out of existence, like solar or wind? Or water, for that matter. Ugh. All right, well, whatever. Let's move on to a more interesting article, shall we? ABC News. Teen Girl Exorcism Squad. <laughs> Three Arizona girls claim to cast out demons. <laughs> the best. Um, this is by Dan Harris. Jackie Jesco and Jilla Milham, April 5th, 2012. Oh my gosh, this is glorious. Bryn, Tess, and Savannah from Phoenix are black belts in karate. <laughs> oh, expert horseback riders and avid musical theater fans. <laughs> Watch Glee, basically. <laughs> oh yeah, last thing, they perform exorcisms. Quote, like we're just normal girls who do something extraordinary for God. End quote. Brianna said, after seeing an actual exorcism in person led by us, you will walk away with no doubt whatsoever. Bryn, seventeen. Holy shit! Oh, okay, this went from funny to infuriating. <laughs> okay, I don't care who you are. At 17, you don't know shit about shit. <laughs> you you don't know anything about the real world. You don't know anything about yourself. And yet, you can cast out demons with the power of God. Shut the fuck up, watch Glee, and sit still minding your goddamn business. You little... <laughs> okay, so, Bryn17 is the leader... <laughs> oh, this gets worse. She's the leader of the pack, the one the others call... Yeah, this is real. The Enforcer. She is homeschooled... Oh, really? I didn't see that coming. That's not the homeschooling I know of. <laughs> You don't think that the public, like, social group in regular high school would have laughed her ass into realization that this is all bullshit? But no, the fact that she's homeschooled, well, then I actually can understand that a little bit because people are retarded and homeschooled kids, by and large, not all of them, I know, whatever, I've never met one that's normal, but supposedly there's normal homeschooled children out there. And... A regular on the beauty pageant circuit. Oh, well, that's... That's a resume to be proud of. Bryn17, the enforcer. Homeschooled in beauty pageanteer. Yeah, I believe she's going to be casting out some demons. Let me tell you something. If I was Satan, if I was Belial, if I was any lesser demon, uh, Bob Shewippley, that's the lesser demon name, in case you didn't catch... Bob Shewippley. If I was Demon Bob Shewippley, and I spent my entire existence jumping into people from um, 
exciting moment in their life throughout the rest of the end of their life and I'm like tormenting them and causing scratches on their bellies and turning their head around like Linda Blair making them shove the uh, you know old crucifix and uh, leather, leather reasons if I was doing all of that and a 17 year old came to me I would jump into her and throw her off of a fucking cliff this is ridiculous Whatever. I, at what point do you wake up uh, spend a half an hour on your hair, 35 minutes on your makeup, and then be like, yeah, I'm going to cast out some demons today. This, you're doing, this is, life is not a reality TV show, you privileged bitch. I got personal there, and maybe I shouldn't have. <laughs> I'm not even a quarter way through this. All right, let me, let me focus here. Uh, <clears throat> Savannah, 20, is known as the compassionate one. Well, they have a good cop and they have a bad cop. What else? She's a college student who likes to shop. <laughs> That's her skill? That's her skill. The first one was a homeschooled girl who's a beauty pageant entrance <laughs> fucking girl. The second one is in college. What the hell kind of college are you in where this is okay behavior and you like to shop? Your skill is you like to shop. Well, congratulations, 20th century, we have found our three exorcist musketeers. What? Okay, and the third, there's Tess, the middleman. Okay, wait a second, when you're choosing names, okay, uh, Bryn, uh, I call dibs on Enforcer, Savannah, like, I totally want to be the compassionate one, and then Tess is like, Oh, I don't know what's a good one. Everyone's like, oh, you're the middleman. It's like, oh, I don't know, that sounds like a man. This sounds it's kind of derogatory. Uh, shut up, bitch. We're going to, we're working for God. Be happy we gave you a name at all. <laughs> like, is that, how, how are you content with the, I com completely hear in my head when they're choosing these titles that they're going by. That <laughs> Reservoir dog thing. Uh, why do I have to be Mr. Pink? It sounds too much like Mr. Pussy. Look, if I give you all the option to call your, your own colors, everyone wants to be Mr. Black. <laughs> Middleman is worse than Mr. Pink. You're not even a girl. Mr. Pink would be better than Middleman. Why isn't Tessa's name Mr. Pink? Okay, so anyway, she's called the Middleman. <laughs> Man. Uh... <laughs> Because the others say, this 17-year-old can play both good and bad cop. <laughs> and she also performs in local musicals. <laughs> so you have your enforcer bad cop. This is like the worst... Uh, I, I don't know, what is that? Uh, CW series ever. Uh, you have your bad cop, the enforcer. You have your good cop, the compassionate one. And you have your... Born between the two worlds, Tess, the middleman. 17-year-old that can play both good and bad cop. Situation dependent. And when do you actually use these? You're like yelling at someone that has a mental disorder? Let the demons come out of you! And then Tess gets in there. I understand that you're feeling the way you are, but Jesus loves you. And God needs you to get out of there, devil. This is like the worst series ever. Okay. So they say, there is a war going on every day being waged against us, Bryn says. Bryn's a 17-year-old leader of the pack, the enforcer, who doesn't know shit about shit. But yet she knows that there's a war being waged every day against us. Satan hates us, 
she says. Yeah, you're right. Satan does hate you, Bryn. And she hates you, Tess. And she hates you. She, <laughs> she, he, it, the metaphor, hates you, Savannah, too. Oh, fucking kids. We know how the enemy is. We know why he's attacking. And we can fight back. Their teacher is Bryn's father. <gasps> really? The homeschooled child's father is the teacher? Guess who? Reverend Bob Larson, who says he's performed more than 10,000 exorcisms in the last 30 years. I wonder if he's ever done, like, the speed exorcism, like, speed dates. Like, he gets, like, 80 demon-possessed human beings in a room and just three minutes with each of them exercises them. I feel like you would have to do that in order to reach that 10,000 cap. Before agreeing to perform an exorcism, Larson interviews his clients to determine whether they are, in his opinion, demonically possessed. The client must fill out a questionnaire and give some background on his or her personal history. But Larson claims that 50% of the population is probably affected by demons in some way, and his girls are the front line of defense. Let's, let's look at this worldview. For just a second. 50% of the population is probably affected by demons. And his girls are the front line of defense. Well, rest easy. Let's take that crazy worldview on for a second. If the world is 50% affected by demons. And our only saviors are the enforcer, compassionate one... And the middleman. We're fucked. Seriously. This is so ridiculous. How is this even newsworthy? I'm starting to regret ever having agreed to read this. This is becoming such... This is like a horrible, horrible book that has made it into an even worse movie that teenage girls line up by the droves and the occasional teenage boy because he just wants to see said teenage girl to see. This is ridiculous. I'm getting so upset about this for no reason. Armed with crosses, Bibles, and holy water, the girls summon the demon within the subject, and then the demon apparently takes over the person's body. Bryn said she can tell when someone is demonically possessed when she looks into his eyes. Really? When you look into their eyes, what about when they're clawing their way out from the inside of the person? What about when their head is spinning around 360 degrees with vomit projectiling in a circumference? Is that a clue that they're demonically possessed? Or does that never happen because demonic possession isn't real? So you just have to kind of look in their eye and know with certain certainty that yes, they're possessed. And literally, God willing, you will help them. When you look at a person, like, you could see the evil looking back, she said. You know what that is? That's hate for you being so ignorant. Uh, we don't hate you because you're beautiful, as the old saying goes. Actually, it's commercial. We hate you because you are an arrogant bitch. It was actually a comedian. The girls say that there are many different types of demons, each with their own names and personalities. One demon, Bryn says, is named Jezebel and is very proud and haughty. <gasps> what? Pride? I wonder if that may be found in you, Jezebel. 
pride that you may be one of the only three girls on the planet that can exercise demons for God. Is that not prideful? Is that not haughtiness? There's hate, murder, anger. All of those are very violent demons. Oh, so you don't even bother with names? They're just called the... <coughs> the emotion they exhibit? That's a little lazy, don't you think? Let's say you are a demon. Wouldn't you want your own name? I bet not even a demon would be wanted killed in a middleman. When a demon comes into someone... Whoa, whoa, whoa. What? What? It's going to... <laughs> It's going to bring as many of its kind with it as it possibly can because it des all it desires is to steal, kill, and destroy that person's identity, that person's life. Classic signs of possessions, the girl said, include when a possessed person starts speaking in tongues, reciting historical facts he wouldn't know otherwise, or having superhuman strength. No, wait, 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 wait. Let's look at that middle one. Reciting historical facts that he wouldn't know otherwise. Does that mean that you... A homeschooled, ignorant asshole wouldn't know otherwise? Because generally people throughout their lives are taught historical facts. Shocking, I know, but it happens. And maybe if you don't know it, does that still count? Because they know it? Because it really happened? Because maybe they were taught it? <laughs> uh, superhuman strength, or maybe just stronger than a 17-year-old Glee fan? Meh. <laughs> performing everything in life is relative people <laughs> like seriously uh, performing exorcisms can be dangerous work and Larson's wife said she was reluctant to let their daughter Bryn do it but Bob Larson believes it's a good lesson for her that's part of your homeschooling program exorcisms 101 <laughs> the Christian life is risky he said ministry is risky Taking on the congregation's money, I mean, uh, sorry, um, taking on the devil is risky. <laughs> What's riskier? Saying no to God. Saying no to God, and the devil's gonna get you. Really. <clears throat> Let me practice. <clears throat> God? No! No! Bad God. Nothing happened. <laughs> Just kidding. Nothing happened. Do you know why? Because there's no God. You fucking ignorant bitch. That was to Larson, the dead. Larson said that sometimes the people who come to them to be exercised are a little taken aback when they see how young the girls are. You think? It's like, they're going to exercise me? It's just totally out of the box. But a few minutes into it, when they see the boldness and the confidence, the maturity and the knowledge of these girls... That all fades away, he said, as they come singing and dancing in step to exercise said demon. We're not proud of ourselves, Tess said. We're humble. We're still learning. Well, that's nice. Nonetheless, there are very serious questions about the safety and morality of what the girls are doing for others, especially those who might need mental health care. Yeah, you think, like everyone that comes to see them asking for an exorcist? One woman, a grandmother, who flew in from Dallas for an exorcism with the girls, told Nightline that she has demons who have physically hurt and raped her. Really? She insisted she's not mentally ill, of course she would, but admitted she had been on antidepressants. <gasps> really? That's telling. And had suicidal thoughts in the past. During the exorcism, the woman said her father sexually abused her as a child. That may be true, and it may be the catalyst for her antidepressants. 
and it may also be the catalyst for her inability to admit that she is either calling in that type of very human person that abuses her, or just creating these delusional fantasies within herself. When asked if she thought the exorcisms could be making people with mental illness worse, Bryn disagreed. Well, of course she would. She's a kid. She doesn't know anything about mental illness. We do this under Dad's supervision. We never do it alone. Oh, well, then it must be okay, because your dad's a total sane individual, right? He's been doing it for 30 years. He would know if something was going wrong. Yeah, of course he would. Because it's not like he's a religious nut job. However, Bob Larson has been accused of fraud. <gasps> really? That's not the Bob Larson I know. And taking advantage of vulnerable people who are either desperate or prone to suggestion. Like every good reverend. The Reverend Daryl Motel of the Soul and Spirit Parrot Church, who believes in the existence of demons, told Nightline that Larson is too quick to blame someone's problems on demonic possession and that it's more likely that Larson's client needs mental health care and spiritual guidance. When crazy is telling you you're crazy, Bob, you may want to look in the mirror. Father Edward Beck, a Roman Catholic priest, echoed Motel's comments. Okay, the Roman Catholic Church invented exorcisms and they're telling you you're full of shit uh, he also says he believes that these young girls are unqualified and unprepared really to perform exorcisms and that it can be dangerous for them as well as their clients and what about their mental health you're literally convincing them that there's demons for people who are haughty for people who were abused in their past by their father that's not a demon while Larson admits that he's not a mental health expert, he said that if a demon is blocking the therapeutic help, the therapy's not going to go anywhere significantly. Well, with an uneducated, uh, an admitted uneducated man, he is very um, educated. Not much. Get the demon out. The impediment. And then the therapy can go forward, Larson says. What's more, Larson and the girls' exorcism sessions are not free. And he insists that one session almost never does the trick. Really? Well, here we go. This is the center to everything Christian, guys. And girls. Oh, yes. It's all about the Skrilla. We have to fund what we do, he said. <laughs> Larson is currently weighing several off... They have to get the new season of Glee on box set! Come on, people! <laughs> He's currently wearing several offers for new reality shows. Oh, what did I not say that at the beginning? Starring Bryn, Tess, and Savannah. Oh, how could this not be about money? Really? Really? I tell you what, the uh, the network that hires this on, or, or that signs this on as a, a reality show... I will boycott. I will never watch again because this is the most absurd, offensive shit I've ever seen in my life. This is worse than that Sweet 16 show on... I think that's what it's called. It's where, like, uh, parents, like, spoil their 16-year-olds because they just turned 16. It's, like, a great accomplishment. They live 16 years or something. But it's, like, over-extravagant, you know, like, whatever. Parties. <laughs> this is ridiculous. All right, well, I, I bitched about this enough throughout the whole show. Let's jump on over to uh, Jim's Fallen's interview, talk a little about invocations, and maybe have a catharsis to this episode before I freak out anymore. See you there. Oh, God. No. Just me. 
Did you know that after the heart stops beating, the brain can function for well over seven minutes? We got six more minutes to play. To Creature Feature. Welcome to another Creature Feature. Today I'm being joined by a friend of the show, Gyps Fulvis. How are you, man? I'm doing all right. Hanging in there. Can't complain. How are you doing? Oh, yeah. Not too bad. Uh, we teamed up for this release. I've been running for the past two weeks a contest for um, a signed copy of Invocations. Uh, I've gotten a bunch of entries, and it looks like the two most popular songs um, from at least my listeners to your music is Sweet Revenge and Black Mass. Yeah, those are the most popular. For everyone that has uh, entered the contest, thank you so much. It's always nice to have interaction with the podcast. It's great, and I know the artists... uh, Gyps Fulvis coming out and just donating the music for you. I mean, that's huge. You know, this is, you know, part of how he uh, makes his living. And so it's it's always nice to see uh, um, uh, an artist reach out to the community. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Not a problem at all. So we talked last year when you had released Nocturnes for Nightmares. And uh, we really talked at length about that album uh, in that it was... It, it was unlike a lot of the other music that I had heard being released. It, it was very cinematic. It was very dark, nightmarish. I mean, it, that's for its name. And we spoke directly about uh, your inspirations in, in creating it. Well, now you've come out with a new album. And do uh, you want to talk about sort of the uh, inspiration behind uh, Invocations? Well, with Invocations, I didn't want to create Nocturnes for Nightmares Part 2. Yeah. I, I just wanted to go in a little bit of a different direction to create a different animal, something that can hold up just as much as Nocturnes, but with a different overall atmosphere, a different vibe, and one that would resonate differently with either similar or different listeners that have picked up on the album. I took a much more primal, dark, abrasive sinister approach to this record as more than I have with Nocturnes for Nightmares, since I wanted this album to be more unsettling and more more of a direct punch-in-the-face type of recording. Whereas Nocturnes created more of a spooky, chilling, creepy atmosphere, this album is more of a action-filled, more of just a punch-right-in-the-throat type of uh, album, one that's just going to just come right across I, uh, I I used a little bit more uh, electronics, more guitars on this record, a little more distorted guitars, more harsh vocal samples, and sprinkled them throughout the album to a point where I wanted to not so much have a, an atmosphere that had the listener waiting and hanging on a seat, but one where the listener was just blown right back to the door. <laughs> nice. Well, I know I... I... I've been listening to this since I got uh, my copy, and it is it is powerful. There there are actually parts in it that are, are really hypnotic, um, but abrasive. Um, it is is definitely as you were uh, trying to uh, capture that that sort of in your face nature. Okay, so when did you start working on Invocations? I actually started working on 
parts of it last year, and I think it was the early part of 2011. I was composing the Walpurgisnacht Suite, part one through four. Yeah. I did that where I created the I created the music and decided to have a giveaway last Walpurgisnacht to COS members in good standing. If they signed up for the email for it, they received a copy of it. Well, I decided to revamp a little bit of it and add more to it to put on the official release for the album. So fans who have heard the original would only have heard a blueprint of what they're going to hear on the album since I added some guitars, restructured a few parts of some of the songs, and put it together so it flowed a little more naturally rather than being a little jagged and scattered and off-level. Off and I started finishing up creating the rest of the album from around the end of November of 2011 right up through February. I just decided to do whatever I could to not repeat the same formula that I have for Nocturne for Nightmares and decided to just go with my deepest instincts to create as, as harsh of a sound as possible. I drew influences from artists like Kraftwerk, Dead Can Dance, Nine Inch Nails, Einstein's Any New Bouton, Leibach, and even got into some sort of, even some death metal or a borderline death metal like Samael or like some of the uh, later Morbid Angel stuff that I've been listening to that took that industrial direction that I know a lot of fans hate with a passion, but <laughs> I thought I thought the album was I thought the album was pretty decent for what it was. I thought it was a decent effort, and it some of that harshness sort of resonated within me so i decided to incorporate some of that dark influence into the album with guitars and heavy hitting bass drum and harsh synthesized bass lines running through nice well let's sort of um hit, cut this off of the pass here when is uh when is this available and where can people pick it up well it's going to be officially released on friday april 13th what nice. more of an appropriate date than Friday the Thirteenth? <laughs> and it's it'll be it'll be available for download on iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, Rhapsody, among many other digital outlets. On on CD, it'll also be available on CDBaby.com. It'll be CDBaby.com/slash/gypsfulvus1 because there's two different accounts for Gypsfulvus: one for Nocturne for Nightmares and one on Invocations. But I have both links on the official Gyps Fulvis website. So if you just visit gypsfulvis.net, you could access both albums there with just a few clicks right away. And I'll be doing a few specials throughout April and May, two album specials where you'll be able to get both albums for a few dollars off the original prices too. So I'll I'll keep everyone posted on that when that gets closer. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Now one thing that uh, had always been alluded to, but I didn't really know the extent of it. You're a hell of a guitarist. I mean, you, I mean, you, you instruct, you, you give uh, guitar lessons. So, because you're such a talented musician with a guitar, why, I mean, why do you think you, you fall back to this uh, cinematic music uh, rather than, you know, what, what a traditional guitarist may, may uh, do? Well, because I, I like putting out music with texture, atmosphere, mm -hmm. and ambience. I I mean, I could if I wanted to. I could be a typical show-off musician who puts out flashy stuff or just be a run-of-the-mill guitarist who just dives headfirst into playing scales and 
blistering solos and all that stuff. And I do I do play in a few bands, local bands, where I do get to show my stuff and get to get to wank off on stage for about forty five <laughs> minutes. But when it comes to, re- <laughs> I know it's funny. Because, I mean, just seeing the looks on people's faces in the audience is it's priceless. But when it comes to recording and a project like Gyps Fulvus, especially, I I go more for emotion. I go more for texture, depth, density, and I, I just want to fall back on something that creates a lot of tension within and a lot of just something that allows the person to be truly moved. And I feel that the, the synthesizer is one of the instruments that I could do anything with and go anywhere with. Yeah. So I, I've decided to take a backseat on the guitar since I'd want to express my creativity through not really what I have to show as far as my talent, but what I have to express inside from what what's going on within my mind and deep within through music. I, I kind of view it as my music is art and my notes are just like paint on a canvas. That's great. I mean, it, I think it's a, a telltale sign of a great musician when they are comfortable to break out of uh, maybe the the mold that they were initially brought into music with. Uh, I mean, I'm, I think some of the greatest bands out there really experiment quite a bit with not only their sound, but the method of making music. So I, I certainly uh, appreciate that, and I'm sure every music lover does as well. Uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to play one of the songs here, um, The Veil of Zoria, I believe it's pronounced. Yes. Um, I, I love this track, listening to the whole album front to back. Um, and m- maybe before I play this, when you put together your music, uh, the, the individual tracks for an album, are you putting it together for an emotional narrative? Um, do you have a discernible order that you feel that each song fits into? It really depends. It depends on what I'm going for depends on what's coming to me depends on what's going through my mind at the time and it also sometimes it just depends on what i decide to compose sometimes the music comes first sometimes the theme comes first other times i just decide to go go at it and wing it and see what comes together and sometimes those become the best pieces of music Nice. All right. Well, let, let me let me play this for the audience, and then maybe uh, you could speak to this song specifically if you'd be all right. Sure. Absolutely.
right. So what was uh, what was going on within yourself, within your head, <laughs> when you wrote this? What's what's the story behind the Veil of Zoria? Well, the Veil of Zoria. I was going back to this. Uh, I think it was the Satanic Rituals under the section of the homage to Tort, and they were talking about that section where the woman. I for, I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was her name was Zoria, and she had a veil and she rode a horse, and it just brought this disturbing image to mind to, about this. this, this this dark, creepy woman with a veil riding on a horse throughout the woods, and I just decided, you know what, I have to write something in this vein because I could just picture the complete scene where this thing's coming at you or approaching <laughs> you, just waiting to do something, and you're left in suspense, not knowing what's going on. And that's also one of the reasons why I cut the song off at the end at a very abrupt pace just to leave you in wondering and leave the, the listener in suspense to wonder what's going to happen next. Great, I love that song. I just jam into it. I, mean, I was, of all mundane things, I was folding clothes and just rocking out. My wife like walked in. What the hell is going on? Yeah, that that that's the riff that came to mind. I was just thinking, yeah, this this is definitely some powerful stuff. And and I and I, I when I mastered it after I put it through the final master, I was just like, fuck, this is amazing. I have to I have to start pushing this out there more. <laughs> Okay, so when you're writing a new piece of music, um, do you sort of come into it knowing what the song is going to be, or, or do you add on to it as you sort of work through it? First, I come up with a blueprint. I come up with a basic sketch of the of the rhythm or the melody or the theme that comes to mind first. For instance, if the piano part that's really bugging my mind comes first, I'll lay that down. And if I feel like I need an appropriate drum loop, I'll find a specific drum pattern or a bass pattern that could go along with it, and I work with that. Sometimes it's the percussion that comes to mind first, where I would lay down the percussion and then think of a part that would sound good over that, and then take that part, throw a layer down, and then think of another part that would either go along with it or completely go against it on purpose to give it a harsher, meaner tone. Wow. So do you often find yourself uh, experimenting? I mean, do, you know, if, if, if this was a film, for example, do you have a lot of uh, snippet films like laying around on your floor? Well, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of things come to mind. I mean, I don't dive specifically into films, but I would say that, for instance, just out of comparison, I would say that if Invocations were inspired by film, I would definitely look to directors and films made by people like Quentin Tarantino or uh, or even uh, like some of the early 80s Stephen King films or even or even films like Blade Runner some of those yeah. very dystopian sci-fi films where a lot is happening and you're just your mind is just spinning as everything's coming to play even uh, even a film for instance like Inception definitely was a big inspiration on some of the stuff yeah, I, I think a lot of this album has. It, it's like, <clears throat> excuse me. It's like the tensest moment uh, in a, in a cinematic film, just track after track, <laughs> like a different tense moment each time. Um, I mean, a lot of it is it's very hypnotic. Do you think when you're when you're doing a track and and you want to have that sort of trance like effect? Do you ever worry that you may go overboard? Maybe you don't push it enough? I mean, what is it that, that you feel is sort of that cutoff? Well, I feel I feel the cutoff 
I feel like I should only cut it off when I feel that I've said all I've needed to say about the song. For instance, if I feel like it's run its course, I'll then stop it at a certain point. Like if I feel like it's going on for seven or eight minutes and I feel like if it's starting to feel a little redundant or if it feels a little uh, overplayed, that's where I'll, I'll stop it. And that's where I'll either it'll either drop and fade out or that's where I'll cut it off completely. In other instances, I'll just see if the mood could escalate even further and the uh, the the feel for the song could escalate even further. If it doesn't, then that's when I get the signal where it, maybe this is where it should come to an end or maybe I should end with a, go out with a bang or I should just end quietly or just end with a cut in, a, a cut it off with a sudden abrupt stop. It depends yeah. really on what I'm going for. Very cool. All right. Well, if you will indulge me, I would love to play um, one more song. And this is actually the final track of the album called uh, titled Empathy. Uh, would that be all right? Yep. All right, cool. Let, and, and when we're done with this, maybe we can talk about that as well. This is one of, it's certainly, uh, well, let me let this song speak for itself here.
what uh, this is a, a, a huge step away from the rest of the album. Uh, can you speak to that? Well, I just wanted to do something completely, completely different that would throw the listener off completely and go, what the fuck is this? <laughs> For better or worse. And you can interpret it in, in, in many ways. It can be interpreted as, for instance, if you're dealing with a ritual setting, it could be the end of the ritual, the cathartic ending where you're like, yeah. ah, and it's time to walk out of the chamber and go back into a, a very decompressed, calm state of mind. Or think of it as the end of the movie where you know, the battle is taken care of, the, the victor goes home, goes to sleep with his wife, or... Uh, you know everybody's okay and then just takes a walk out and just has time to relax that downtime that everybody needs at a certain point even after the some of the roughest battles in life are fought or you could just look at it as just a final curtain call i mean it's really what you the listener out there decides what you want it to be i i figured it was a nice change from the rest of the album because i feel as as scary as I wanted the Gyps Fulvus project to be, I know that given in time, it could go in any direction it wants to. And if I wanted to take Gyps Fulvus in a more in a more cinematic direction, dealing with more impressionistic sounds, I could do that. Or if I could take it in a more battle like warfare state type symphonic vein I could do that as well I mean yeah. that's what I can go for as well I'm, I'm saying it doesn't have to be one thing it could be but I could always branch out if I felt like it well I mean what I love about that is that just you know you, you said it straight out it's it's that, that cathartic moment at the end of this pure tense experience and it's it's sort of like that that finishing drink, like yeah, you had too much coffee, so you need a glass of water. That that you know that sort of palate cleanser before you try another wine or something. Um, it, it's a, a beautiful track, and I didn't even think about like at the end of a ritual before until you mentioned it. And now I'm, I'm like, yeah, that would be perfect. Like you know, after you've uh, rung the bell, uh, just that that moment of calm and contentness that. That hopefully you should be experiencing at that time. <laughs> um, so it is done. You know that would be perfect. Uh, just a, a great track. Okay, so again, Gyps Vulvus Invocations. It's going to be available uh, everywhere, digital download and physical CD on the 13th. So uh, at the release of this episode, that's going to be five days. So get out there, support a fantastic artist. Uh, before you go, I want to talk, maybe if we can, a little bit about uh, some of your other projects, like uh, Cherry Embers. Would you be willing to speak to that a little bit? Well, Cherry Embers, that's a very, very different project, a very yeah. different animal. It's its more of in the ambient, dream pop, gothic, 80s vein. I don't know how to describe it. I wouldn't call it New Wave because it's not pop enough to be New Wave, but it's got a very heavily influence from Tears for Fears, Peter Gabriel, Depeche Mode, Sisters of Mercy, uh, I would even go as far as to say a little bit of Dead Can Dance and uh, the Dream Academy. I'm sure some of you out there would know some of these artists or all of them, but that's the kind of vein it's going for. And it's got a much more, uh, I wouldn't say world music off the bat, but it's got that, you know, it's got elements of world music in there. And it's just a very dreamlike project. I would kind of consider that like a polar opposite to Gyps Fulvis on the same spectrum. Like if Gyps Fulvis is 
the soundtrack to your nightmares, then Cherry Embers is just like a walk into the world of your dreams. Nice. And I, that, that's it's a, it's one of my favorite projects that out of everything I've done so far, and and I'm I'm always going to expand from here on there, and I'm planning a release toward the end of the year, but that's probably going to be around November, December, and I'll keep everybody posted when that comes along. Yeah, very cool. I just uh, saw that you you posted a, a couple things about it, and uh, you know, kind of curious. Um, and also, I, I have to say thank you very much for helping me. I, I reached out to you about Black House Blues track, and uh, you came through in spades. I was amazed. And it, this is kind of a tease because no one's ever heard anything from this project, this experiment, as of yet. We're sort of waiting on some other things to fall into place uh, before I release anything. But um, I was really excited. When when I reached out to you about that, I mean, do you have a blues history? Because you really just nailed what I asked you to do. Well, to be perfectly honest, I was never a blues aficionado my whole life. I enjoy listening to a lot of bands that were influenced by the blues or, you know, for instance, a lot of bands like uh, think of Jimi Hendrix, Led Zeppelin, the the Doors, a little bit of uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan. I mean, he's more into definite blues, but I'm talking about when I think of blues, I think of real blues artists like uh, like the, the classics like Muddy Waters or mm-hmm. Albert King, T-Bone Walker, Robert Johnson. I was never head, head first into any of that material until the last maybe three three or four years. I never really dove into it until I started really getting serious about taking influences from that. But I just love the basis of blues because I think it's it's just one of the more pure, powerful, no bullshit types of music that you know, that that's great. I mean, I love symphonic, advanced, sophisticated music, but there's other days where I just want to put on a blues album or like a dirty, raw garage rock album and just listen <laughs> yeah. to something that's just in your face and stripped. I mean, like, but if I if, I, if I'm just having one of those nights where I want to just hang out and have a couple of drinks, you know, I don't want to sometimes listen to a Stravinsky symphony. You know, I want to put on like a Rolling Stones record or a uh, or even a Muddy Waters or a John Lee Hooker album and just rock out to it and just kind of like jam with it. Oh yeah, there's so much going on that you know having an open taste to everything is why I got into music in the first place. Yeah, well, I, I mean, again, I was amazed, and I cannot wait to let uh, everyone else in on uh, listening to that. Uh, I, I think everyone's going to be just blown away and absolutely love it. No, I'm looking forward to it a lot. I, I think it's – I really had a hell of a time creating that song because the, when the riff came to me, once I got that down, it everything else just fell into place. The solos came along, and mm-hmm. while I had to do a few takes of the solos, eventually I, when I finished that very last solo and I listened back to it, I said, this would be perfect just to, just to lay it down. It's got that B.B. King feel, that, yeah. that that really raw, dirty, yet all, like just it just fits and complements the, the riff to the T, and that's why I had a great time contributing to that. And I want to thank you for letting me contribute because I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. And I, I think I'm actually going to commission you to uh, do my uh, 2013 Nine Cents uh, theme music because uh, after hearing the vast range of your uh, ability, I, I think you would be able to come up with something really cool. And uh, if you'd be interested, I'd definitely like to hit you up for that. That would be great. I would. I would definitely be up for that. Cool. Well, again, uh, the album Invocations. 
Gyps Vulvus is the artist. It is out April 13th. Pick it up, and uh, we'll go ahead and announce the winners. Thank you so much, Gyps, for joining me. It is always a pleasure. You're welcome, and thank you once again for having me on. Always a pleasure. That's going to do it for yet another episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I would love to hear from you. Visit the website 9centspodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let me know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. You can visit the SatanNet, Facebook, Google+, Twitter, or MySpace page for 9 cents and get updated on weekly topics. Listen to the show at RadioFreeSatan.com or download the show Monday nights via my RSS feed found at 9centspodcast.com. You can also subscribe via iTunes by searching 9 cents. And don't forget to leave a rating or comment. If you'd like to learn more about the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com. If you'd like to hear other fine satanic voices, musical personalities, visit radiofreesatan.com, an online streaming radio station. Once again, thank you for joining me, and as always, I'm your host, Adam Campbell, and until next week, Hail Satan! Hail Satan!